course, I've I've skipped the part about having to go through the the, the you know security check and all that. That that's not quite the happy place there. So <laughs> in my head, you just kind of jump from the monorail down. <laughs> Spoiler the- alert: My happy place is the security line. hundred oh, percent. It's I'm definitely sorry. the waiting in the bag line. Howdy, partners. For your safety, remain seated with your hands, arms, feet, legs, and ears inside this happy podcast. And be sure to watch your kids. If any of you folks are wearing hats or glasses, best remove them. Because this here is the wildest podcast in the wilderness. Welcome. I'm Matt Palmer, your host, joined by my fellow cast members, John Grosso and Paul Jarzembalski. Hey, guys. Hey, man. With you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Guys, this is our second podcast. I'm really, really excited about what we're doing here. Um, and I thought the best way to maybe kick this off might be a little going around the horn to see what's making you happy in uh, Disney this week. John, how about you? You want to kick us off? Sure. Um, you know, in terms of Disney news, not a lot. Uh, there's a lot of challenging news coming out of Florida at the moment, but I tell you what is keeping me happy. Uh, uh, the Crescent Lake soundtrack, just sitting there. I have had a lot to write. I've had a stressful week, tons to get done. And uh, like even my wife, Nicole, will say, you should probably put on that music you like. I put on that nice, calming, soothing Cape Cod slash Jersey Shore, new, you know, beach town music and just transported to sitting on Crescent Lake. So it's, that's what's keeping me happy. For those that might not know what Crescent Lake is, could you break that down for maybe yeah, some no, of people course. that Here want to go I to am. Disney? Yeah, Crescent Lake is, uh, right, it's the Epcot Resort area. It's right outside of International Gateway. Spoiler alert, that'll be coming up later. Uh, where the Boardwalk Beach Club, Yacht Club, Swan, Dolphin, and Swan Reserve Hotels all are. And it is also uh, connected by water taxi to Disney's Hollywood Studios. Fantastic. Paul, what's making you happy in Disney this week? Well, one of the things that uh, I've been getting to do is um, preparing for an upcoming trip to Disney. And uh, one of the things to, to, to do is to actually stay up late to like midnight uh, to, to, to wait and hit that magic button to uh to score your uh this particular time it was scoring some uh lightsabers um you know getting to build lightsabers at hollywood studios and you have to you know exactly at 12 00 uh at midnight you know you just start clicking away and see if you can get uh, a reservation time and sometimes that anticipation of the planning uh and clicking through on the website to get your reservation time uh at the exact hour that things go on sale uh, was very exciting, uh, you know, this anticipation. For me, the excitement of going to Disney is not just actually in the trip, but it's actually in the planning. Um, and, uh, and it's in those moments where I'm making my dining reservations and getting exciting when it says confirmed, um, you know, getting frustrated when it says, um, sorry, the website isn't working right now. Um, and then you have to keep hitting refresh and hope that what you were looking for uh, is still available in like five seconds after it didn't work. So um, I know that sounds kind of stressful, um, but to be honest with you, that gives me such Disney joy this week. <laughs> That's fantastic. 
For me, it's the debut of the new Disney Plus series, What If, that explores Marvel's universe and what happens if one little event throws off everything you know and everything you love from the last, what, 23 films and basically says, all right, that's not happening the way you thought it did and kind of turns everything on its ear. Um, without spoiling anything, the first episode is uh, set in the, the world of Captain America, first Avenger. Um, and what I love about it beyond the animation style is just the, the overall guts to take what people, I think Captain America, first Avenger for me is one of the emotional linchpins of the entire series. Any right down if you've seen Marvel uh, Avengers Endgame, they they close with something that that ties back to the heart of that movie, and here it basically says, "Yeah, we know you like this, but what happens if it just went this way instead?" And I just think that it's really gutsy in this era of fan service. You know, everybody talks about, "Oh, this is fan service," and you know maybe they went too far with this. This is the anti-fan service. It basically takes like your, your comfort food and says like, all right, let's add something a little gross to it just to like weird you out. Um, and it's really a beautiful, beautiful first episode. And I can't wait to see what they do next. So that's what's making me happy this week. I love that it appears to be canon too. Did you see in the in the timeline on Disney Plus, they put it right after Loki. So not spoiling anything, but I'm into that. Yeah, yeah. I think Loki took, you know, in its final episode or two, no, no intense spoilers here, but it, what it did was is it basically said, like, there's going to be a whole lot of, like, overturning of the chess table. And you, what, you, what you know and you love is, is, is prone to getting changed. And, and what yet, if just dives right into it? And yet, one of the things that I think the whole new timeline of what disney is doing with this is they're both destroying it but also they are tapping into that nostalgia because of the the direction they're taking they can now bring back things that you were you now that were once lost that you can now think oh what if we did it differently this time so in a way it's both upending it but there's also the opportunity to bring in what what was was. So I feel like Disney is really doing some creative things with trying to weave together the past and the present and then the future of their properties, which um, is such a, un- a unique way of doing things. And such and since Disney has now quite a library, both that they have created and that they had it have uh, inherited and that they have created a new, so they've got a lot that they can work with, which I think is really exciting. Yeah, I know the comics have that history of multi-universes and multiverses and all that. But like something like Star Wars, where they've had the property, they, they're playing very safely in the timelines and a lot of their, their shows. Everything is supposed to generally fit. Um, and I like that Marvel kind of is, even though they've built this incredible loyalty, brand loyalty they're they're not afraid to say like all right let's take it let's let's make let's take a left instead of a right and see what happens um so if you can check it out like i said the animation is beautiful at at various moments i actually thought it looked like classic hand-drawn disney animation 
less comic booky in some ways and looked more like the movies too. Yeah. You know, some of the actors, the way they draw the actors, it's like dead on. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. So check out what if. Um now going here, you know, I think like everybody knows that this podcast is directed about the joy we find in the Disney parks. So I thought today's topic, you know, fellas, I think is in the happiest place on earth, what's your happy place? Um, so I thought what we do is we kick it off with you, Paul. Paul waxes poetic about his Disney experiences. And you could tell he already, you know, was, was really joyful talking about getting reservations. So I'm really curious where you're taking this when you talk about your happy place at Disney World. Well, he's got it loaded up in the chamber too. For those of you, you, you know, you can't see us yet. You should see the look on Paul's face. I've never seen someone so happy to start talking about Disney. And even though those, you know, people are, are hearing it. Um, I think one of the things too, is that I've even got audio visual where I've got actual, um, you know, uh, I've got photographs, um, <laughs> of my experience. So, um, uh, I think what's exciting is that, um, there's a couple of ways I want to do this. So first of all, I want to like, I want to take you on a trip. Um, I want to, I want to start you at the, at the transportation and ticket center. Um, and as you're, and you're going to board a monorail, but you're going to board the monorail towards Epcot. Um, ideally it would be that monorail red, comes into the station has to be monorail red i might skip a couple of monorails should, should we close our eyes for this paul you know what this it, is it might theater be. of the mind right here <laughs> it really is so so imagine that monorail red pulls into the station that gleaming red uh set against the white background of the monorail um gleaming in the sunshine of florida and it comes in and the doors open and first of all you have the smell of the of the monorail interior there. Um, and so that in and of itself is a unique, that's a happy place for me right there uh, is that sensory notion of the, it's that mix of humidity, air conditioning and other tourists um, all mixed together with a sense of excitement about what you're about to do. So you take that monorail towards Epcot and into view comes Spaceship Earth. It takes my breath away. Um, you know, it, you, the way that the Epcot monorail has it, you go around the park, you get to swoop around. Well, now, actually, if you were to go on it, you'd be looking at a construction zone, uh, which is kind of exciting because there's a lot of possibility of what's happening. But normally you're getting a little preview. Um, and, and I think the Imagineers did that to just to give you that taste of what you're about to experience. Um, I've actually loved it actually when I don't actually have a park pass because I feel like sometimes if I get on an Epcot Ron rail and I don't have a pass for a ticket into the park, I feel like I'm getting something like a little freebie. Like I'll, you know, I'll just get on the monorail, take a, a round trip tour on it. And, um, you know, you get to see the park, you get to be in the park for a moment, but when you get off the monorail, just so for me, it's, it's so again, this is part of this experience for me, just walking underneath spaceship earth watching it tower above you the gleaming of the of the just the way that each of the uh the geodesic sphere sides just kind of glimmers and shines and and just uh you know it's it's the beauty there and to know that if it's about to rain 
you'll never get wet if you're anywhere underneath it because it's perfectly patterned to collect the rain above and not drip down below you. Um, but it's just, and again, then, then of course there's the smell that's emanate. Again, I'm all about the smells. Smells to me are very important, um, <laughs> which could be taken in many it's ways. It's good to know. But, yeah, it really is. But you know, when you get, when you get up to walking into spaceship earth, again, there is a smell that comes out from the ride as you kind of that, again, it's that mix of air conditioning and plastic and gears running and uh, humidity Rome burning. Rome burning. Absolutely. It's one of the best smells. Actually, I will Books tell you. Books being printed. Yes. Actually, one of my most exciting times that recently I was on the ride and you know how sometimes the ride breaks down or, or at least stops. Like it mm -hmm. says, you know, please pause where, you know, the ride is experiencing a technical difficulty and you stop for like, you know, two minutes or five minutes while they are doing something. And the last time I was on the ride, it stopped right during Rome burning. And I was in my happy place nice. right there for sure. Because I'm like, I, for five minutes, I just get to smell Rome burning, <laughs> which for those of you who may not know the ride, it does take you actually, it's actually not Rome burning. It's actually the library of Alexandria in Egypt. That's burning. If I want to be historically accurate, but it's part of the story of spaceship earth and uh, the, the smell that emanates from it is just this crisp smoky smell um but anyway so it's that combination of all of that um and that happy place is really being getting taking monorail red into epcot and then walking underneath um of course i've, I've skipped the part about having to go through the, the the you know security check and all that that that's not quite the happy place there so <laughs> in my head you just kind of jump from the monorail down <laughs> spoiler it. alert my happy place is the security line 100 yeah, percent. it's I'm definitely sorry. the waiting in the bag line yeah. yeah definitely waiting there about 20 people back yeah that's a great place watching rope drop happen while you're in the oh yeah yeah having just missed the bus prior that's my happy place so as you can tell, my happy pace is edited a little bit, but it's both the approach towards Spaceship Earth and that monorail, but then and then again, feeling that space, because it's also a space of anticipation, because you're about to, un as you go underneath Spaceship Earth, there's this park that's about to open up to you. And so you get, to, so it's, it's also, a, it's a place of anticipation, because you can't actually see the rest of the park from there, but you know it's there, so... That's a happy place for me. It's a happy experience, more or less. But I cheated a little bit. But I'm hoping you'll per, you'll you'll uh, forgive me. Is your happy place anticipation, Paul? Is that is it Epcot? Is it the monorail? Is it anticipation? Is do you get this way in front of every park? Is it just Epcot? You know, in some respects, there is a little bit of the anticipation. Is as I told you, even just making the reservations for something is exciting. Um, so, and the thing that I do after every Disney trip is plan the next Disney trip. Um, so you're right. The anticipation probably is part of that. And that's probably what drives a lot of it for me. But I personally do love the Epcot ball. It has a lot of uh, callbacks to my childhood. Um, I, um, we went there for the, the first summer that Epcot was open. So the summer of 1983 uh, we visited Epcot. So we visited Epcot during its first summer. It opened in October 82. But in the summer of 83, uh, my family and I went. So I got to go and see the first Epcot summer. And so I think that there's a lot of it that kind of rings through my memory is 
um, a very special time for me. Um, I was around six years old. So um, I was forming those early memories. And so, in fact, I, I literally do have the photograph that we took one night of the, that from that trip in 1983. Um, and then, you know, going into Communicore and seeing one wow. of my favorite uh, creatures, which is Smart One, which is the, the robot in um, the, the original robot in Communicore um, underneath Spaceship Earth. So a lot of memories make into that as well. But, but for right now, yeah, a lot of anticipation in that. So why has it got to be the red monorail? Oh, yeah. There is something I, it's hard to, it's actually, I've, I've had a hard time figuring out why. Um, I do know that there is something about that combination of the white, uh, the white and black monorail colors, but with that red, I just find, I don't know, there's just something perfect about it i just it's hard to describe i don't have a particular memory like the red monorail did not factor into any memory that i know i just find it beautiful it's a beautiful color combination and it just it's the quintessential monorail for me because i get excited so my, my wife sarah will will sometimes as soon as we see like one of the, the highlights of every trip is the first time we see monorail red. I will actually stop wherever I am. If I'm, if I'm walking somewhere, if I'm at the contemporary or the Polynesian or an Epcot and, and monorail red comes by for the first time, I stop and I just smile at it, you know, as it goes by. So it's is red weird. your favorite color. It's actually not. <laughs> so I don't know. Do you think Red Monorail loves you as much as you love it? I don't want to talk about it because what if it doesn't? I think I think you should ask it out, Paul. I, I think you, I think you, I think it'd be good. Just just a night on the town. Yeah, you know, dinner and a movie, very low risk kind of date. <laughs> well, through the well, maybe I, I would I would assume that dinner would then have to be uh, somewhere in the contemporary, where you know, as you know. That's where the monorails all go to, to sleep at night. Is at the contemporary? Oh, well, easy. You got to get to date number three before that, Paul. My gosh. <laughs> Joking so, wow. for everybody. Joking. We went There's to a, a little variation on what John said before. John asked before, but like, do you get the same warm, touchy, feely feelings walking into the Magic Kingdom as you do Epcot, or is it just it? it or is it on a different plane for some reason? Um, it's on a different plane. Um, I do enjoy, I love, you know, seeing the castle, seeing Main Street for the first time is, is wonderful. I love it. Um, and actually my wife and I kind of, is a unique thing because for her, if you were to ask her that question, that experience of going down Main Street and seeing the castle for the first time is for her that kind of uh, out-of-body experience of sorts. Um, for me, it's every time I see a Spaceship Earth for the first time is that same thing. So it is different. Um, it's not the same at, at both parks, um, although I do personally love it. Um, I don't quite have the same feeling in Hollywood Studios or in Animal Kingdom, though. Um, those are entrances, and those are wonderful icons to see, the tree, uh, the theater. Um, but they don't quite have the same charm as the castle and they certainly do not uh, whisk me away like uh, spaceship earth. Interesting. John, how about you? Uh, yeah. 
Well, uh, man, it's going to be hard to top uh, the story of Monorail Red, but I mean, this is why we did this podcast. Um, no, in all seriousness. Please uh, say Monorail Blue. <laughs> wouldn't that be something? Uh, and it's the Toronto Rail back when they were skinning the, uh, the Monorail. I know, I, Paul. I, okay, so the Toronto Rail is my second favorite monorail. I was so hyped to get the Toronto Rail when I was there. Like we, we actually oh. waited in line to make sure we rode the Toronto Rail. That was awesome. I, I know think that, it was pretty cool. I think, yeah. Oh. Anyways, um, no, my um, this was a hard, uh, a difficult question for me because there are so many um, of those little moments that are my happy place. Uh, so you know, of course, you think Main Street. That's always the layup. I mean, who doesn't get excited walking onto Main Street, smelling the cinnamon rolls and hearing the happy turn of, you know, turn of the century, turn of the 19th century or 18th, uh, 20th century music um, and see it in the castle. I mean, that that's that. And I, I haven't been back since, uh, actually since before uh, I was married. So there's a long drought for me. So I'll probably cry when that happens again. But, um, you know, I could even say Fantasmic. I love Fantasmic. It, I like it way better in Disneyland than I like it in Disney World. But mm-hmm. Uh, I love the soundtrack. Um, the at Boston College, there was an upperclassman that, for three years of my time there, would play Fantasmic in one of the dining halls on the piano. Um, and so I would always walk by, and it always seemed to hit me like during during a difficult time. It'd be like finals week, or I'd be upset, and I'd hear the Fantasmic music. And I'm like, wow! So it could be that. Uh, I was thinking of that. Then um, you know, of course, I've alluded to before you know, sitting and watching the world go by in the morning uh, on Crescent Lake or in the beach club lobby. And so all those are wonderful things. But I think my actual happy place, my actual happy place is International Gateway. So yeah, again, talking about entrances, we're talking about probably the least likely entrance to make anybody happy. So Paul, you're coming into Epcot from the front and I'm coming in from the back. We've got the whole, the whole thing uh, cut. We're fighting a two front war in Epcot. Um, No, it's, uh, it's funny. My, my family always, always, always stayed in the Epcot resorts. Um, you know, I, I've stayed at, at pop and I've stayed at Caribbean beach, um, you know, later in life, but, uh, we always stayed at the Epcot resorts. My first trip to Disney was the board. You know, we stayed at the boardwalk beach club, yacht club. I've stayed in the mall. Um, and that's what we always did first. It didn't, you know, even when we were children and, you know, sort of Epcot had that mantra for not being a child's park, we would always end up in Epcot first. Cause you're at the, you're at the Epcot resorts. So you just pop over and usually for dinner, usually that would be our bonus day. We you know we, we arrive middle or late in the day, especially when we would drive all the way from Connecticut. Um, or we'd get the, the, you know, the, 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 the least expensive flights and it would get you there three or four o'clock. And my parents would always let us do a pool day if we wanted, or if we had an extra day on the park hopper, we'd get to go to Epcot. That would be like a huge deal. So my first taste of Disney, almost every single time, and, and with very, very little exceptions, except, except maybe maybe one time, is International Gateway. You know, you arrive through the normal gate via the bus, you, you, you drop your bags off, and I would rush to get onto that promenade and, and at Crescent Lake. And uh, if you're at the beach club, you're like 100 yards from Epcot, which I always thought is awesome. So there's something so special it's that short anticipation you're hearing the friendship boats going by it's probably like a little warm it's four o'clock most people are 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 headed towards the pool or headed you're starting to head towards dinner and that sort of like 
almost nervous anticipation. I would always get that nervous energy that like, I got to get in, I got to get in the park. I got to get in. And of course, uh, this will surprise absolutely nobody on the, that that's listening to this right now. Uh, I'm sure, but I'm very much like a punctual, um, person. I like, <laughs> I like order. I move quickly, uh, you know, and so I'd always, you know, we would always travel in a group, so it would take a while to get there. So you had to get everybody corralled. And of course, as soon as you get everybody in a group, someone's got to go to the bathroom and it just drive me yep. nuts, drive me nuts. And, uh, but by the time you, that all that was done, short walk over to International Gateway, you start to hear the music, uh, a little uh, of the sort of the France pavilion music and the UK pavilion music, and they kind of hit together and it works. I'm sure there was some Imagineer that focused like for several hours or days on how exactly to get the synergy and the sound. Um, and you cross over an international gateway and it's sort of like an unceremonious entrance. There's no icon to look at. There's no, I mean, I suppose now there's Ratatouille and the Skyliner. I haven't been there since then. Um, but you're, you're home. And for me, there's always this just every time this deep, deep instinctual breath of just, oh, I made it. I made it. Uh, and I always find that to be a little lower key way to start a Disney trip. But the castle for me always makes me emotional. A lot of things make me emotional these days. Um, the spaceship, seeing spaceship earth for the first time usually makes me emotional as well. Um, I, I think seeing the millennium Falcon for the first time will make me emotional. So it's like, it's nice to, uh, to onboard in slowly for me. Mm. Uh, and that usually starts like just this, there's nothing like an afternoon, like late afternoon in World Showcase. The light just hits better. You, you know, I know there's a lot of life and, and energy and activity. And sometimes we could talk about how that atmosphere doesn't lend itself to be very family friendly, but picture it on its best days. The, the light hits the pavilions, the water in the lagoon, World, Show, World Showcase Lagoon is sparkling. Like all of the barges are out there for the fireworks show. There's just an energy, there's a life. And you're like, I'm here. So I, I have, I could go and do no rides that first day. I've never, you know, once I get in that sort of impulse of being crazy, like go, 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 go. We got to do things. We got to do things. It fades away. And I have been known to just sit on one of those benches, you know, coming up the hill by, by uh, where the two uh, bridges meet to bridge the uh, France and UK pavilion. I sit there for like probably more than anyone in my family cares uh, for uh, and just kind of relax and shed a few tears of being able to finally make it. But it's not like that. Oh my gosh, there's the castle. So yeah, that's just, that's my happy place. It's everything from that walk to, you know, to the gateway. Uh, I always loved, um, that's always where we would leave. Epcot was my favorite place to have dinner, uh, to stroll in the evening. Um, I can't tell you the amount of times my dad and I, you know, and, and then I guess my whole family and I would make a meal out of all the little booths. You know, we would usually go during flower and garden. You could do that during food and actually you do that at all times. I think there's a, there's a festival every day of the year at Epcot, except for two or three weeks. Um, strolling around world showcase with a cold beverage, some delicious food, some dessert, watch Illuminations, which is my all-time favorite. I would linger, not for promise what they played after, but to finally hear that Tapestry of Nations music again and then stroll out through International Gateway. The hotel is right there, so you can take your time. You don't have to wait for the bus. 
So, yeah, I mean, I know this boy, I can't imagine someone listening to this and going, so interesting, a gateway. What a happy place. But for me, all about the entrances. Yeah. Well, I also noticed that um, also, John, in your imagination, um, also the security lines do not exist. Oh, it's gone. No, no, it doesn't exist. So sorry, Matt. We're both we're both not we're both not feeling the security as the happy place. It's the it's the necessary evil that has to exist <laughs> in order for us to enjoy it on the on both ends. Although I will say this, Uh-oh. I won't. Don't, I don't think this will shock either one of you. But I'm that guy that talks to the security. Like I'm usually just so happy and full of energy <laughs> and like yeah. hyped to be in Disney. I'm like, thank you for checking my bag. Thank you. You're doing a great job checking that bag. I got nothing in there. It's a good, good job. You know, absolutely. I'll go through the metal detector twice. That's fine. No big deal. I'm here. It's true, though. Well, and the, and a little secret for International Gateway is for those listening at home, um, you know, if you're looking for the shortest security check for the quickest entrance into a park, the International Gateway entrance is indeed the best of those if you're looking for efficiency and you're looking to get into the park a park quickly that one will not disappoint you paul we have literally millions of listeners and you just spoiled my entrance <laughs> i'm so sorry how <laughs> dare you i'm sorry we have now just crowded out the actually crowded got- me out it has gotten crowder with the skyliner the right. skyliner has brought in a lot more people to that entrance but even with that I still think it's it's it is a delightful place. But John, I, I, interesting thing. I, I'm curious. You mentioned the time of day, which I thought was very interesting. So it's not even just a a place, but there was a time that you mentioned. It's that it's that sunset, or maybe not even sunset, but maybe uh, depends on the time of year, I guess. The four, between the what four to six p.m. Time yeah, frame. that low yeah. sun angle, like yeah. right before dinner, where everything's just sort of. It's not golden hour. It just, but it, it yeah, well, it's, it's still warm. To, the day is ending. The night's about to begin. I'm I'm, I'm curious, John, if you had, what is the feeling you get walking in the International Gateway at 10 a.m. or at uh, at two in the afternoon? I'm just curious what how those experiences are. Do you have the same feeling at those times of day? Is it modified? Uh, that's a good question. Um, well, so I, I'm a morning person. So I think International Gateway at Epcot, uh, there's that. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on like, not even just rope drop strategy, but like the rope drop, men- rope drop mentality. Yeah. And so being an International Gateway is, a, is you know, a little bit of a disadvantage if you're getting to soar in a, or a test track at rope drop. So, which it won't be to get to Ratatouille. I think I'll be able to stroll right on on our next trip. Um, but yeah, it was a, or frozen even. Um, uh, so hard to say. I love International Gateway in the morning because I love mornings. I, I love Epcot. But the energy is definitely different because World Showcase is not open. Right. So I, I wouldn't say I'm still excited because I'm getting to go to Epcot. I'm going, getting to go in a place I very much like. But no, I'm probably at that point looking forward to coming in because I almost always eat dinner in Epcot or the Epcot area. Uh, so I think I'm probably already looking forward to the evening going, oh, wow, this is nice, but I can't wait to see it at four o'clock. Two o'clock, I'm probably aggravated because it's hot. World Showcase is not really peaked yet. You know, if I'm coming into two, International Gateway at two o'clock, something has gone terribly wrong. <laughs> um, well, I also think that it's interesting because you, you mentioned that France and 
like especially France. Okay, so because the France Pavilion evokes, like you you know, it's that rainy, well not rainy, but it's that kind of like that between four and six p.m. Paris, yeah, Paris feeling. And it does that so well so that when you turn your head to the right, as you look towards the France pavilion, as you enter, it, it, I think it gives, it makes France the best France, I think, that it's trying to present, which is that it's about to become evening. There's about to become, you know, the, 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 the French music is playing and you're, you know, so I think you have Paris in the evening about to emerge And so you kind of have that spirit in there too. I don't know about old England about to emerge in the England uh, or in the evening. I'm not sure, but definitely the France side has I that. agree. I agree. I, I, for my money, I think France is, is probably the most impeccably themed uh, pavilion and world showcase. Uh, there are others I think that are quite good. Uh, Japan and China kind of come to mind um, and Canada with the waterfall, but um I, uh, the UK I like because they have that little garden area where Mary Poppins was allegedly going to go. I'm glad that actually that did not happen because UK has some off the beaten path uh, parts of it that I find um, charming in, in their own way. Um, and Canada as well. Canada's, Canada's sort of tertiary to that memory because you always end up walking that way. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting. that I agree with you, your assessments on, on the, French, the France Pavilion for sure, for sure. So my question is, what are you doing if, if you're going in at four, what are you doing the other hours of the, the day leading up to that? So it's usually on arrival day um, that we go in at that time, I would say. Uh, sort of that four to 6 p.m. window. Uh, when I was growing up, we wouldn't arrive until later in the day or we would arrive at like 11 o'clock and it'd be kind of a pool day, right? And then, and then I'd be like, all right, you could go to Epcot. I mean, it's Epcot's right there especially when we were like, like 11 to 12 and we were like just able to like me and my cousin, Mike, were just able to go maybe 13 into the parks ourselves without adult supervision. It was like a big deal. Like oh, right. Epcot. Um, so that's kind of what we would do. But now um, Epcot is almost always, not always, but almost always my evening park because I just love that world showcase stroll. And if I'm staying at an Epcot resort, why not? So I'm always, I'll rope drop another park and, you know, like magic kingdom or animal kingdom. I think if you rope drop animal kingdom on a moderately crowded day, you could probably get everything you wanted to get done before one. Um, and I would say with magic kingdom, you want to be out by one before the crowds really peak. Yeah. Uh, if you have the luxury of a park hopper, if you have the luxury of an on-site hotel, I mean, that's sort of a first worldly thing. So that's usually what we would do. We would hit the magic. I would be up at the crack of dawn, early magic hours when those were still a thing hitting the other parks, come back, pool, and then I would get the itch to be like, no, 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 all right, I've done enough pool. I could do a pool anywhere. I'm going, I'm going to Epcot. And so I'd end, up any, I'd end up strolling in between four and six. If I was at Disney six days, might be four. Yeah. See, that's fascinating. Like, I'm the type of person that needs to get there in, in any setting, whether it's Disney or just life. Early... And when it's open, so I can literally try to sprint to what I want to do. Like, and I'm the type of person that I will go somewhere. And if I've spent all that money, I'm staying there the whole day. Mm. I don't, I don't understand. Like I, I'm built a weird way. Like I don't understand the idea of park hopping. Mm. Like if I'm somewhere 
I'm staying there because I spent that money on that park. And like, I want to live in that experience for as long as possible until they like literally kick me out of the park. You know, when they say no more, you have to, you have to get out of here. Interesting. See, I've never closed down a park states uh, or a East coast, except for Epcot. Epcot's the only park I've ever closed down almost animal kingdom, but that's it. I closed down both Disneyland parks every day. I was there. I wonder why that is, Matt. Why, why are you? Like, I'm hesitant to give up on getting all I can out of some place. Or I'm hesitant to, like, if I can do something more than once that I enjoyed, going back and trying it at another time. Um, I feel like as long as I'm in an experience, I'm going to get as much time as they'll give me to be in somewhere. And that's pretty much like in any environment. I've never been a guy to leave a ball game early. I've mm. never, I'll never, I think I've only walked out of one movie in my lifetime. Oh, I've never done that either. Yeah. Like the idea of paying for something, I'm going to, I'm going to wait until the credits like are finished unless like the movie is like truly abysmal. And I'm like, I don't need to know who's responsible for this garbage. <laughs> <laughs> but even the worst movie I've like, even some of the worst movies I've stuck out. So like if I go to a park, if I've spent all that time and energy planning a park trip, I'm staying there until the very end. I know at Epcot, uh, when Paul and I went a couple years ago in the afternoon uh, with a couple friends, we did close down that park. Yes, we did. It's a badge um, of honor. <laughs> I, it was like, the 4th I, of July too. So oof. we actually... We had dinner reserve. We had dinner reservations after the fireworks, so that's why. So we went to uh, Italy. Italy, um, Italy. Yeah, we went to Italy there, and then after, and then we left the we left the restaurant, and the park was empty. Tutto Italia or Via Napoli. Tutto Italia. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I'm owed a. Uh... What's my favorite? I was say, you're up, head. Matt. I'm I, waiting yeah. on well, bated, with bated breath. I'm ready. You're anticipating this. So <laughs> when, when I went, when, all right, I'll, I'll take us back just a little bit further. So my family went to Disney World two years ago. My kids at that point were eight and five. Um, and I, I think I might have mentioned this on the previous pod, uh, the previous first episode. I think one of the things that I always... And as a family, my growing up, we never went to Disney World. It was, you know, the, this sort of, as I think I said before, this forbidden fruit. So I always had this dream that I'd be able to take my family um, and be part of a family vacation that went there. Um, and I always dreamed of having kids. I always dreamed of having children. And um, going down Main Street, you know, there was a couple various moments, I think, Again, the monorail, we took the monorail and I, I got a picture of my daughter looking at us arriving at, um, at a, or we were taking a, tr we were taking a, a bus actually. And we were heading towards Magic Kingdom. It was, I think the Magic Express, so no, no monorail. But I remember Annie le leaning out and kind of looking at the window and seeing the, the castle in, in, the, in the distance. And we get into Magic Kingdom and we do the walk and we do all the magical things. Uh, and we have a great day at the Magic Kingdom. And then at the end of the day, 
um, we decided to set up camp for uh, for um, happily ever after the 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 nighttime fireworks display, light show, all that kind of stuff. And um, you know, I'm not a big fan of fireworks. I generally think they're pretty lame exercises. Of like, they're kind of repetitive. You see them one, you see one, you you know, like they kind of can be the same thing, especially like, um, you know, at, at average places, the normal place, but Disney Disney world is obviously not your average place. So we set up camp about, I guess, probably about 45 minutes before the show. And, um, I remember the lights going out and the, um, the narrator said, and they all lived happily ever after. And my daughter, Annie, is sitting on my lap and the show begins and they start running through various Disney themes, Disney songs, all that stuff. And they hit the Hunchback of Notre Dame without there. And then he starts, uh, Quasimodo starts bouncing up the castle, like just an incredible visual display, this projection, this mapping. And you see him going up there and reaching it, you know, like reaching the very top and ringing the bell. And he's hitting all these high notes. And I, I start to get verklempt. So I start to notice that. And then Annie's in my lap. And I'm holding her tight. And then all of a sudden, I believe very soon after they transition to, um, I, at last I see the light from Rapunzel or, or Tangled. And, um, and I lost it just right there. Like the waterworks start coming. And... I start holding Annie so tight because like if anybody's ever seen that movie, you know, the whole thing is Rapunzel having this dream about seeing the floating lanterns and having that experience. And then she finally is right there at the floating lanterns with this guy who's going to be the love of her life. And I sat there and I was just like, I'm here right now outside. I think the location was right there around the Plaza restaurant you know, at the, the very end of uh, the, the very end of Main Street off to the right. And it's near an exit, but it was just the sweet little spot. And I just can visualize it every single time I think about it is just Annie sitting there in my arms watching the floating lanterns. And for me, that was an ex a realization of a lifetime of expectation. Um, and I... Uh, Every time I do it and every time I think about it, I'm taken to a very specific happy place. Um, and an animated movie can make a 40-something-year-old man cry. So that's, that's my happy place. That's beautiful. So fireworks don't always have to be lame. No. Well, and I... you, um, One of the taglines for Disney is you know where dreams come true and there is a lot of dreaming that goes on there i mean especially for children you know dream i mean and some are fun dreams like i dream of being a princess i dream of being a pirate or something like that but you were you were talking about is a dream come true and yep. you know in that space you know when they say it's a place where dreams come true it it well, there's two places, I guess, Disney World and uh, Baseball Fields in Iowa. Um, those are the two places. We're playing that game tomorrow. For yeah, that's true. So, you know, that's I, 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 I'm touched by the fact that that you, you've kind of in a way actualized 
as a 40 something year old male, <laughs> you know, where a dream comes true. Um, because it's a reminder of, you know, again, what is Disney? Disney is a place where, fa where families come. Uh, Disney is a place where, uh, where, people have those memories with those who they love. Um, right. And so, you know, if you, if you are dreaming of that, it, you know, it's nice to know that it comes full circle and that you then can actualize that dream. So. Yeah. It, it, knowing uh, how much I wanted to have children and I, and I have three now we've added one since our last Disney trip. Um, and knowing that it was in my arms, like she was as much the dream realized as anything. And the fact that she was sitting there looking at something that was making her dream and think about what's possible. Um, I feel very fortunate to have experienced that. Um, and I haven't even mentioned my middle child. So he sounds like chopped liver at this point. Um, but Liam was having a good time too. But Annie gets all the tears. Oh, I'm sure. I, <laughs> your story makes me emotional. I don't, I don't have children. Uh, hope, hope someday. But uh, you know, the show's called Happily Ever After, and the finale, the lyric that they repeat multiple times is "Reach out and find your happily ever after." And you were sitting next to and with your happily ever after. Yep. I yep. think that's just the, you know, if that's not the quintessential Disney moment, if that's not what this happy podcast is about, I don't know what is. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's a remarkable thing to be able to, um, to look back on something and, and not take it for granted, you know, and, and remember that like, I probably spent a lot of that day sweating my like absolute guts off. You know, and the whole idea that like there are there are moments throughout those days that are not happy, <laughs> but like that show made literally everything else that might have been like a little negative completely disappear. That's that's Imagineering. Oh, yeah. And that's a little bit of men in black technology, too. Oh, 100 percent. Well, yeah, I mean, look. Every Disney day involves tired feet at the barest of bare minimums uh, and usually sweat, hot, you know, heat. Uh, I, I've traveled with children before. They're usually quite, you know, the trooper, but it's a lot. It's a lot of stimuli. And I've been with adults that have meltdowns. So, I mean, yep. you're right. But in an instant. Well, in, in a way, there is a there's a cinematic beauty to it because in a way, just like any movie there's always there's drama there's conflict there's there's you know but conflict moves the plot forward in every movie you cannot have a movie without some sense of dread and suffering and anxiety but in a perfect disney ending movie yep. is the notion that all of that pain and suffering is leading to something and in a way had you not had perhaps the tired and the sweat and the in the angst of the day, the conclusion of the day would not be as special because it wasn't earned. Um, right. It was just, you know, you just, if you just plopped yourself down 
and saw the fireworks, I would I would bet that they would not mean as I mean they might mean a lot, but the 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 journey to that place makes that moment even more special, even more yeah, meaningful. So I in agree. a way, you have to have a meltdown day at Disney in order for the memories to truly sink in. Yep, exactly. And 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 I know I remember later on in the week we went back, and my kids went back. Uh, later in the day with their grandparents to the to the resort we were staying at and so it was just casey and i and as the nighttime started to approach we decided not to stick around because we thought we caught lightning in a bottle on that first night and we were like it's not going to be quite the same and so we decided to walk away actually hmm. so like like sometimes it like you you have a moment in time and you can never repeat it. I know that like they're going to be switching out the nighttime shows with, at Disney World in the in the coming months. So the idea that like that if I go back, it won't be the quite quite the same thing. And Annie will be a little bit older, and my kids will be a little bit older. Um, something else will pull at the heartstrings, though. I know that. That's the uh, line from Tangled uh, after they've seen the lights and. Uh... Rapunzel says to Flynn, oh, oh, this was wonderful. After, right after that song, that very emotional, beautiful song, well, what do I do now? You said, well, that's right. the best part. You get to come up with a new dream. Yep. Oddly enough, one of the first dates as a couple that Casey and I went on was to see Tangled. Oh, such uh, an underrated movie. It really is. It really is. Um, it made me realize just, it's one of those films that makes me realize it just, we're lucky to have a guy like Alan Menken out there um, writing, uh, writing music that pulls at the heartstrings. And, and he's done that for decades and generations. So oh, yeah, very fortunate to have an Alan Menken in this world. I think he did uh, the music for both uh, Hunchback and for Tangled. So Alan Menken, if you're listening to this podcast, one of the millions of people listening to the podcast. We assume that you know, are. Oh, he's got to be. Yeah, absolutely. If he's not, um, at least one invitation. family member is. So yeah, um, I'm really, I'm really happy we shared this aspect of, 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 you know, what, what's our happy place. I think we encourage everybody who's listening to think about their happy place, maybe share it with us. Um, as you, as you start to, you know, listen to this podcast, I know one of the things that we're doing is we're expanding on many different platforms. Uh, and we'll go over that later in the show, but, as we start our outreach, we want people to, to, to share their own happy place with us as well. Um, so as we look forward to the next episode, I think we were talking a little bit about what we might be doing. And I think we've set it on. And I, and I, I want you guys to think on this before we come to the next episode, what your favorite food item is throughout the Disney World complex. I'm just doing everything in my power to not scream Dole Whip at the top of my lung. <laughs> it's actually not, not Dole Whip, but uh, yeah. So what, so I, I love it. Matt. Beautiful, so though. What plate? Oh, it is beautiful. What place makes you happy? What food makes you happy? I'm all in and on this. What makes, what makes us happy? It's a, it's a hard world. It is. It is. And I think, um, you know, as people pay attention to what's going on in the world, I think they need a little bit of joy to grab onto and, and a little bit of happiness. So I think, uh, you know, this show is all about encouraging you to think about what makes you happy. 
Um, and, and obviously it's a Disney world themed, uh, podcast, but, you know, encouraging everyone to put a little happiness in the world as well, I think is, is, I think what we're all about is, is making sure that everybody shares positivity and lifts each other up. So I'm really happy with this discussion. Um, I don't know. How are you guys feeling about what we did? I'm feeling good. I, I actually, uh, what's funny about it is both of you shared your moments. Um, uh, and you know what? I've been to both of those places. Those, those are very happy places indeed. I, I, I love International Gateway too. Um, uh, I love the, the hub there in the middle of uh, Magic Kingdom and, uh, and watching that and, and, and being with my, you know, my wife, my, my families, uh, watching those experiences. Those are very special. So um, what you, your stories have made me reflect on other stories that I had. Um, and so, you know, I, I, if I, as I, I even my own story that I shared was even, I thought more about it even as you guys were sharing yours. Um, like for instance, John talked about the resort that he might be coming from to go to his place. Just to let you know, there's a reason why I started at the transportation and ticket center because it's right next to two of my favorite resorts, which are the contemporary and the Polynesian. Um, so there is some, some joy there. Uh, that's, you know, that's, that's the, that's the prequel to the story that I was going to tell. But again, John's story, thank you for sharing kind of even where you began uh, coming from that, because it reminded me of that as well. So I think our stories for me, uh, they enriched my story. They made me think about other stories. Um, and then they also helped me appreciate you both as well. Um, and what gives you joy um, and what gives you those things. It, 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 it not only just makes me reflect about me, it's not all about me, but also about you and, uh, and getting to know each other's joys is kind of fun um, because when we share what's, what, what's meaningful to us, when we share what makes us joyous and happy, I think that gives us an insight into who we really are. And, yep. Uh, yeah. Well, I want to make sure that I remind everybody who's listening that, you know, of, of course they're listening now. So we're on pretty much anywhere you can listen to podcasts. We're on Spotify, Apple, Pandora, iHeart, Google, TuneIn. Make sure you leave us a review and share with your friends. And as we continue to expand the pod, you know, well, I'm sure we'll be on some social media soon and we'll have ways to interact with you to, you know, for you to share your happy places, your ha happy spots. We look forward to that. We look forward to hearing from you. And um, I think, uh, I think we're coming up to the end of the show. Uh, is there anything else that you guys want to share with the, with uh, our listeners? I think we're good. I think end of show. Thanks for, joining us on this journey um, and really looking forward to hearing what, what places and then next week, what foods make you happy. I mean, everything, uh, what Paul said earlier is true. It's, it's kind of like a trip down memory lane and you start to encounter some of the best aspects of, of Disney. And, and for me, not to be dramatic, but some of the, some of the best aspects of humanity. I really needed this. So I hope you guys needed it too. Definitely. Definitely needed it on my end. All right, everybody, thanks for joining this happy podcast. We will see you real soon.